Amen, Tyler. Thank you for that song. It goes right along with our sermon today. Man, doesn't that speak to your heart? Something about that just, man, wakes me up. Today, uh, I want to confess, this week's been a busy week. We got a school board in, a brand new school board out in the gym. I figured, man, that's going to be good. Raw figure's going to take us all day to put up. Seems like it's going to take us all week to put it up because... We need technical support to come in and get the thing wired up where it all works. But we got it up in the old gym, and it it doesn't work, but it looks good out there. All right? But, uh, man, it's been a long week. You know how you have all those plans and nothing goes according to plan? You know, nothing's supposed to take as long as it does, but it does. This week, God's been working on me hard. I told Tracy that, uh, man... When I was writing this John out, I made notes that I need to go back and visit this when I get an opportunity to preach. And uh, lo and behold, I didn't know this Sunday would be the Sunday, but uh, this stuff hits me hard, guys. It's just like Tyler's song. His love for me is extraordinary. And man, I just can't believe he loves me as much as he does. And it should affect my life. It should affect the way I do ministry, the way I do everything in my family and uh you know, everything it needs to affect but it's found in john 13 1 through 17 and in preparing this i was going man god help me to uh, get the people to come in and see this happening as you kind of open this up for us about your love about how much you do love us how much you want to impact each of our lives and, uh, man, the disciples were boneheads sometimes. I just want to say that I'm bonehead sometimes because I don't always understand it. But uh, sometimes, you know, when I was growing up, I had dyslexia sometimes, and I, reading wasn't always good, but I could get pictures down. You go in my office, and you see tons of pictures in my office because pictures say a lot to me, all right? And hopefully I can help you get there this morning by this video, and hopefully it works uh, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, but uh, I want you to pay attention to this video and just, uh, man, really put yourself there as one of the disciples this morning. So if you would, bow with me. Tell me, Father, man, I'm excited about your word. I'm excited that you love me so much. I'm excited that you put me here on this earth to bring you glory, to allow me to share your love with everybody around me. And dear my Father, I just pray that you'd help me to understand what that means sometimes. You'd help me to understand different ways I need to show that love. And dear my Father, I just pray that you would just uh, light a fire in all of us today. Man, as Tyler sang that song, man, just may we understand. May we see your love. May, you, may we see how much you do love us in spite of ourselves. And dear my Father, I just pray that you open our eyes, open our ears. Open our hearts this morning for we might go out of here changed because we met with you. And to my Father, just give me the words to say this morning because this thing hits me. And I just pray that you would allow my heart to be revealed to these people today. And just may you work in this sermon here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Will you play? Change the world. It was now the day before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world 
and go to the Father. He had always loved those in the world who were his own, and he loved them to the very end. Jesus and his disciples were at supper. The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, the thought of betraying Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him complete power. He knew that he had come from God and was going to God. So he rose from the table, took off his outer garment, and tied a towel round his waist. Then he poured some water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel around his waist. came to Simon Peter. Are you going to wash my feet, Lord? You do not understand now what I am doing, but you will understand later. Never at any time will you wash my feet. If I do not wash your feet, you will no longer be my disciple. Lord, do not wash only my feet then. Wash my hands. And head too. <laughs> Those who have taken a bath are completely clean and do not need to wash themselves. Except for their feet. All of you are clean. All except one. Jesus already knew who was going to betray him. That is why he said, all of you except one are clean. After Jesus had washed their feet, he put his outer garment back on and returned to his place at the table. Do you understand what I've just done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And it is right that you should do so because that is what I am. I, your Lord and teacher, just washed your feet. You then should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you. So that you will do just what I have done for you. Man, powerful. To me, to get that, to know that this is the last hour where he spends with his disciples in the intimate room celebrating the Passover. You know what the Passover was? The Passover was Egypt, where they put the lamb's blood above the doorpost and the death angel passed over that house and didn't kill the firstborn. 
But everybody didn't have that lamb's blood. The firstborn was dead the next day. That's how powerful he cleansed us. Man, he cleansed us with his blood. This is the sacrificial lamb. This is God going to his throne in heaven. Okay? But he takes time to tell us again, his disciples, how much he loves us and what we need to do because he loves us so much. He says, don't just know I love you, but serve. Love one another. Man, I can't emphasize that enough. Love God, love others. It's simple, folks, but it's so hard. And it goes against everything in my nature. Hear me. It goes against my nature to love sometimes. It goes against my uh, my being, I guess. Because, man, so many times people do stuff in my life and I want to get mad. I want to get even. But it's through God's grace that I'm able to love instead, okay? And that scoreboard was a major part of it this week. Man, I got so mad at the guy that made that scoreboard this week. So it's just, mm, man, it's just right there, you know? My love nature just wasn't there. And I agree it's a good thing, but, man, sometimes I get caught up in life. Sometimes I get caught up in the day-to-day grind that I don't want to love. I don't want to show love. And it goes against who God tells me I need to be and what his Holy Spirit allows me to do. And it goes against that, but I have to give that freedom. In this passage, it says uh, in John 13, before we get there, in Luke 22, Luke 22, it says, these disciples before the meal were arguing who is the greatest, who is going to be the best, who is going to be number uno, okay? Man, I could so identify with that sometimes. Can you? Man, I get that football mentality, and my team's always best, no matter if we're having a bad year this year or what, but we're going to get there. I'm still not a Kentucky Wildcat fan, much to Tracy's demise. I'm not a Wildcat fan. I'm a Louisville Cardinal fan, and I didn't like all the stuff that they did, but I'm a fan. You know what I mean? I want to be number one. I want to succeed. My boys I coach on my basketball team had a bad game yesterday. We didn't hit every shot. We didn't do what we needed to do to win. But it's hard for some of those boys to lose. They want to be number one. It's in our blood. It's in our genotype to do that, to be greedy, to do that type of thing. You know what I mean? And this society we live in pushes us that way. It allows us to live in that realm. And it shouldn't because we've been changed. Okay? And that's the thing that hits me hard is we've been changed. It says, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing the hour had come, he loved them till the end. Wow. I read over that and read over that. I'm going, why did he put that in there? Do you realize this is his last hour? Do you realize all the stuff that he had to put up with with these disciples? That they did wrong that they fought, that they were wanting to be number one, that they didn't want to always love other people, that they were, man, he even had Judas. Man, this thing speaks volumes to me with Judas. Uh, Judas was right there, man. He had to minister to Judas just the same as he did the rest of the disciples. Judas has got his feet washed just like the rest of the disciples. 
Judas felt Christ's love and still had a hard heart and wouldn't let that love penetrate. But he was one of the 12 that didn't get it. Didn't get what Jesus was doing. Didn't get what the purpose was of living life. It was to have a relationship with him. He was so caught up in other things. But he loved him till the end. As a dis- as one that's going into ministry or one that's in ministry, as one that's a church member, I want it to be said, well done, my good and faithful servant. That, that to me, <clears throat> to have that little hash mark when I was alive and when I passed away, to have that, all that little line represents there in between, to say, well done. I want my father to say that to me. Well done. All right, But that's what it is. He did a good job. He came here with a purpose and a plan to be the sacrificial lamb, and he got the job accomplished. He loved him to the end. And then it says, taking a towel. Wow. A towel, guys. I go to uh, stadiums with Trey and stuff, and the Cardinals, when they were playing, I'm a big Cardinal fan, and they pass out towels before the big game, and you wrap those towels up, you know, you hoop and holler, you do all that. Jesus took his towel and he wasn't hooping and hollering. What he was doing is proving a point to these guys. He just gave them lecture after lecture on how to be great in the kingdom of God. How to be great in the kingdom of God? You need to be a servant first. You need to serve other people. You need to put their needs first. You need to show that student leadership. Guys, if I do nothing as a youth pastor, I hope these kids see that, man, they need to be great when they're serving other people. And that's the reason they're in Sunday school classes. That's the reason they're trying to figure this thing out about church. They need to serve. They need to know what it is to serve. They need to go on the mission field. They need to have those experiences in their life. So God can use them in a mighty way. But God tells us we need to be servants of one another. We need to love one another. So he takes his towel, takes off his outer garment. I love that video. It shows it so much. I almost feel uncomfortable because he takes that outer garment off. And I know the disciples felt that way because in the Jewish custom, to be a servant and remove your outer garment and put on this towel, put on this foot washing thing, was the least thing that anybody wanted to do. It was the loneliest person that was supposed to wash the feet of people that were coming to the feast. And here it is, the Passover feast. Here it is, the hour before Jesus is going to be arrested and go to the cross, put on a you know false trial and die on this cross for us. And yet, not one of the disciples saw the need or wanted to do the great thing of being a servant. They all wanted to be served by the other because they all thought they were great. How many times does that fall back on us? How many times do we, not the first one, the volunteer? Oh, somebody else will do it. But here he is, Jesus. It says God, going to the throne with God. Here he is in their presence, taking the towel, taking the wash basin, and going to his feet. Oh, man powerful that is just sending chills down my spine it should you too because this is an act of love guys that he's doing this 
being who he is, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, washing the disciples' feet. I went down and I did some studying here. Blessed are the feet of those who take the gospel. Our mission team's over in Africa today. We need to be praying for them. We need to pray for uh, Kim and Chris over here. They're getting ready to go to Spain. But their feet are what brings the gospel to us. Our feet are very important because it touches the dirty earth that we go to extremes to bring the gospel. Jesus was taking this opportunity to wash their feet. Did you catch what he said? He says it in the scripture. Let me read it to you. Then he poured the water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he had girded around himself. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? See, I think Peter understood. Peter was always quick to speak. And that's sometimes my problem, too. My wife will agree with that wholeheartedly. Sometimes I speak before I think. And, uh, you know, it's, it's got me in a lot of trouble sometimes. But Simon Peter says, surely not, Lord. You're not going to wash my feet. Because just in that Luke 22 passage, Jesus is telling him, get behind me, Satan. Okay? Because Peter wasn't understanding what Jesus what Jesus' mission was here on earth. He wasn't understanding the total mission was for Jesus to die on the cross to make a way for us. And he says, get behind me. And I think Peter realizes he's a sinner. Peter realizes this is God, the perfect man, the one, the unblemished lamb that's going to die for us. And I think he sees that. And he says, Lord, uh, you don't want to wash my feet, but... Then he answers him and says, Lord, or he says, I will not, you will not be a part of me. Here it is. I keep teaching this gospel to the kids. God created us to be in a relationship with him. Man, he did a good job. Because when I'm in that relationship, I feel like I'm good. I feel like I'm living my purpose out. It comes more about that than anything else in life. When I got that relationship happening. And I know God is working in my life. I know God's doing something in my life. But it's not always that way, guys. It's not always that way. Because sometimes I wrestle. Sometimes I struggle with that relationship that he's called me into. Because my sinful nature. Our sins separate us. Guys, just because I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I still have to deal with sins. And that's kind of what I think Jesus was showing these disciples today is sin still hurt us as a follower of jesus christ sin still comes to my life that's the reason he's washing each disciple's feet he's saying sin's going to come into your life but confess it and i'll forgive it you've done the thing you've already taken a bath you're clean but here it is i'm washing your feet i'm saying hey if you'll confess your sins before me i'll forgive them Okay, there's a lot to say about confessing. We don't always want to confess. A lot of times you got to admit you got a problem before you can fix the problem. I'm learning. Okay, you got to do it. It's the, one of the basic steps. You got to admit that you got a problem. You got to admit you need help. You know, we all do. We all need to have that. But so many times our pride gets in the way. 
Our pride comes in there and says, hey, you don't have to do that. Now, I like what Jesus says when he says, I know there's one that's not clean. Can he read our heart? He can. You cannot hide that from him. As much as I try, I cannot hide my sin problem from myself or from the Lord because it will always come to the top. But he always provides a way for escape, a way for me to get clean and have that relationship with him. So, man, know that going in. Here it is. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, if you will have no part of me if I do not wash your feet. He said, wash my hands, wash my feet, wash my head. Peter doesn't want to live without Jesus. You see that, how he's saying that? He says, wash everything about me, man. I can't have a part of you. Wash everything about me. I'm totally in. I want this relationship. The Lord washed not only my feet and my hands, my head. Jesus said to him, when he has bathed, he has no need to wash again, but he is completely clean. And catch that. He said, you are clean. You are clean. By him saying that, he's saying, hey, I've already saved you. I've already made you clean. But there's one that I haven't. There's one that hasn't let me. And that was Judas. And that's kind of cool how he knew Judas was going to betray him even before it was going to happen. For he knew the one who was betraying him for the reason he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had finished washing their feet and taking his garments and reclining at the table, again, he said to them, do you not know what I have done? Here's a cool thing. As a reclining at the table, I know you've seen these pictures, and I think like Jeff Rush or Jeff Rump uh, painted a picture of all these disciples sitting at the table. That really wasn't the way they ate their supper. They reclined on the floor. They sat on the floor. They laid on the floor. They had their right hand with them to eat, okay? That's as they reclined. Thank God they washed people's feet back then, okay? Because your feet were probably right up in somebody's face. Okay? So that was also a common courtesy to everybody at the feast. That you washed their feet. Okay? Because when you traveled along the roads, if you didn't have a guy's pair of sandals, your feet were just in the muck, mire, dust, whatever. They threw out on the streets. And trust me, they throw all that stuff out on the street. Okay? And it's just all there. Sewer, whatever you want to say, all right? It's all there. Cow dung, horse dung, camel dung, it's all there, okay? And it doesn't smell so right. But that's the reason they washed their feet when they came in, okay? Or supposed to. It's supposed to get that off their feet. Do you not know what I've done for you? You call me a teacher and Lord, you are right, and so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washes your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that also should do as I did to you. Okay. Teacher, Lord. Man, I got to get to my notes here. Teacher, Lord. Here it is. A teacher, you listen to a teacher, right? They tell you what to do. You also observe what a teacher does, and that helps. Here's the other thing. He calls you teacher and Lord. 
If you just get one as a teacher or a rabbi or whatever, you're not getting the Lord part. And the Lord is totally obedient. Total obedience to unconditional things that he asks you to do. Okay? So to be teacher and Lord, that's a big deal. Because I think a lot of times we know the right thing to do. But I'll do one of these things. I won't do it. Right? And then I'll live with this little small thing in my mind that says, hey, you missed out. You need to go back and do this better. You need to do this where it's right. So he needs to be teacher and Lord of our life. And we need not only to do it, we need to follow his example. Mm. Get this. How hard was it for the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the lord of lords, to take off his outer garment, to strap on that towel, and to go down to each disciple's feet and wash them, knowing what he knew about washing feet, knowing that he knew that was the lowliest position there was. And here's all his disciples thinking they're grand and great. What did that do in his heart? Here he is getting ready to die on a cross. Did anybody wash Jesus' feet? Did anybody think to do that? No, not one time is it mentioned that anybody washed Jesus' feet in this supper here. Wow. Of course, he was clean, though. He's a sacrificial lamb. He's a perfect lamb. But still, there was only one account in the Bible where somebody came and washed his feet with tears. And put that alabaster perfume on him. Because she was forgiven much. She wanted to show how much she loved her Savior. How much does he love us? Unconditionally, folks. Unconditionally. So many times this world wants to make our love conditional. We need to love unconditionally. Oh, man. Let me share with you just what my week's been like. Sunday night, I know you all knew we had a great big lock in here. I think we had more kids here than what we had adults here that night, okay? That was amazing. But we went from 7, in the mo- or seven at night to 7 in the morning. And I want you to know, we went through a range of things, okay? We had dramas. We had all this stuff going. We had everything. But, hey, I was trying to get the kids to understand We need to take time. We need to pray for other people. We need to think about other people while we're up all night. We need to pray and thank God for the opportunities we have to share the gospel message. And we prayed for our Africa team, and I had different people go over to the map, point to different spots on the map, and pray for those things. I want you to know, it wasn't always reverent. I wasn't always feeling warm and fuzzy on the inside felt like I was running a zoo. (laughs) But the kids did pray. The kids did lift them up. Does God know our hearts? He does. Sometimes I need to realize that not because people need to act a certain way in my book, But they need to act that way to God. God needs to do the business. 
not Brent. Here's this other thing is, I think I've alluded to it several times, but how much time are we in love with ourselves? Huh? Getting it? Came out with this neat acrostic for self. S-E-L-F. Self is serving ego, living foolishly. Man, did I do that? Yeah, I served my ego. Let me give you acrostic for ego. E-G-O. Ego is edging God out. See, self always wants to put God out of focus. It always wants to elude the fact that who God is isn't really who you think he is. All right? But God is love. He is perfect. But the more I keep thinking about myself and not being humble, the more I put out of focus his love for me. Okay? But the more humble his love for me by taking his outer garment off and wrapping that towel and coming around to each and every disciple's feet to wash them. Wow. How humble do you have to be? A lot more humble than what his disciples were, right? How humble do you have to be to die naked on a cross? To take the lashes? To walk in the streets and get spit upon? Wow. That's humbleness. But with great humbleness comes great love. Did you get me there? With great humbleness comes great love. For us to love greatly, guys, we need to be humble. It's more than an act. We need to be humble. To love greatly requires great humility. He also said, going back in my notes, I've just seen this here. He said, hey, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part of me. And my mind screaming, John 14, 6. It goes, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, Jesus. He is the way. That's the reason he said that. Wow, that comes to light big. Here it is again. He says, a new command I give you, I give to you, love one another, even as I so loved you. A new command, guys. How hard is it to love one another? It's hard. I got this interesting story. Let me read it to you or let me tell it to you. A sick man went to the doctor's office. His wife went with him. The doctor went in and examined the man, ran some tests, and his wife is waiting out in the reception room. When the doctor emerges with the concerned look on his face, the wife asks anxiously, Doctor, well, will my husband be okay? Okay, y'all can identify with that, right? She's inquiring. I'm afraid your husband is very ill. 
The doctor replied, he has, a, he has a rare form of anemia. And if it's, not le- if it's left untreated, it most certainly will cause him to die from this. There is a cure, however. She's going, great, there's a cure. The doctor goes, well, he'll need plenty of rest and nutrition. The disease will go into remission if your husband should live for, and will live for many years. But here's what you want to do. You need to take your husband home, treat him like a king, fix him three meals cooked a day, wait on him hand and foot, bring him breakfast in bed, don't let him do anything that he doesn't want to do, and if he needs something to take care of, to, to do, to take care of him, give him a back rub in the morning and a full body uh, massage in the evening. And one more thing, because his immune system is weak, you need to keep the house extremely clean. Do you have any questions? The wife said, none. And then here, here it is. Do you want me to break the news to your husband, or shall I? Asked the doctor. The wife says, I will. She came into where the husband was and says, hey, I got some bad news. The doctor says you're going to die. <laughs> we laugh at that, but is that not so true? In a husband-wife relationship, is that not so true? I think God allowed marriage to happen so we could see each other in our best and in our worst situations. All right? But we need to have that love that brought us together in the first place to keep us together the whole time. And he says, I am the one that you need to put center. I am your love that's going to help you through this marriage relationship. Whatever comes, I will be sufficient. How many times does this world tell us, well, I'm not feeling it today. It's not happening today. Something they do, something happens, you know. They see us in a real and in our best. But we need to have that love, don't we? Does it make a difference? You better believe it does. One person can change the whole outcome. In uh, pondering my thoughts about that funny story, because I knew this was going to be a heavy topic, I warned my wife ahead of time I was going to use that, so I just wanted her to be prepared to make me three meals and do that back rub thing. (laughs) But here's another one. This is a true story about a St. Tertropolis in the 4th century. He lived in a monastery, and he felt God calling him to go to Rome. He had no idea what God wanted him to go to Rome, but he put it on. He said, well, I'm going to go to Rome and see what God's calling me to do. So he packed his things in a backpack and went to Rome. When he got to Rome, everybody was scurrying around. They were going to the big amphitheater. Big, big theater, man. It held like 80,000 people. And he's sitting up in this theater, and he's watching. And what's happening in this theater is the gladiators are down there fighting. They're fighting one another till the death. A bloody battle. 
And this little monk goes, well, this must be the reason God called me here. Because this is fourth century after Jesus died on the cross. And I need to put a stop to this because this isn't Christianity. This is nuts. They're killing each other for entertainment. So the little monk made his way from the very top of the stadium out to where the gladiators were fighting. And he put himself up in between the gladiators and he says, In the name of Christ, stop! And the stadium, you know, was getting a little hush. But then one of the gladiators slapped him in the stomach and he fell down in the dust. And, you know, the gladiators went on about their business. Again, the little monk got up. The little monk got up and got in the middle of the gladiators again. And the crowd was crying this time, run them through, run them through. And the monk said, in Christ's name, stop. And guys, get this. This time the gladiator did what the crowd said. He ran a sword through his stomach. When he did, he fell to the ground and blood was coming out. And it was a bloody mess. And you've seen a big red pool of blood there. The gladiators were still there. One last time, the monk said, in Christ's name, stop. And guys, I want you to know, after he said it that last time, he died. But that stadium emptied out, and they never had another gladiator fight there in that stadium again. Because one man put a stop to it, because he listened to the word of God. Teutopolis, or Telemachus is his name. And that's in the history books. Can God do the impossible? He sure can. How many times do we forget that? Oh, God really doesn't need me. Let me tell you. I found this. You might laugh again at this story. But I've been hurt at church. I now serve at, uh, I now serve myself and my family. I serve God by serving myself. Does God want you to do that? He says to love one another. We need to serve one another. Guys, for this church to be great, we have to have servant hearts. We have compassion, but we need to be servants. You know, a lot of times the uh, churches die because they don't have enough people to serve. They don't have enough people to say, hey, yeah, I'll stand in the gap. Hey, yeah, I'll show love. I'll do the thing that needs to be done. A lot of times churches die. Whose idea was the church anyway? Is it me and Dwayne's? No. It was God's idea. God said for a church to be strong, it's going to have to serve. That's the reason we send out missionaries. That's the reason we can make a difference in this world today because the Holy Spirit lives in each one of us where we can show love one to another. Nobody's so far beyond the point of showing love. Right? Right? It is. But how many times does this nominating committee come around and say, hey, I need some service. I need somebody to teach this Sunday school class. I need somebody to step up and do this. 
I'd love to see some of you step up and do some refereeing. I'm not the best ref, and I've been told that. <laughs> but I'm still waiting for the perfect one to step up. But how many times do you need to serve in the church before you can say, I'm done? When Donnie first called me, it was cool. I remember it very well. I was trying to run a youth group. It's my first church out of seminary. I thought I knew everything. You ever been there? But I had to do something that uh, my youth pastor did with me. I had to go sit and do lunch with kids at school. It was interesting because one of the first questions a lot of those kids asked were, why are you here? Why do you come here every Tuesday? And why do you sit here and not eat any lunch? You know what? That bugged him to death. And I got that asked to me a lot. But you know why I was there? I was for, there to form a relationship with each one of those kids. To say, hey kids, I care about what you're doing. I care about your life. And I know somebody else that cares about it. Can I introduce you to my friend Jesus Christ? And that was pretty effective. I mean, thank God for Carmine because they let me go in and do that. Here in Harrisburg, I can't go in and do that no more. I used to, but I can't now. They outlawed that love. How many times do we have the opportunity to wash feet? Think about your life. Do we have opportunities to show love to other people? Do we take advantage of those opportunities? Or do we just cast them off? Oh, that won't work. They'll just take full advantage of me, won't they, Donnie? Hey, did Christ stop? He said he did it to the end. I want to be a good lover to the end. My wife says, she didn't say it very loud, amen. <laughs> but God's still working on me. He's still changing my heart. Here I am, 55. God's still working on me. Am I better now than where I was? I hope. But I still got a ways to go. Will I make it to the end? If I don't quit. That's the big deal. Church, we can't get discouraged enough to quit. Once you quit, the devil wins. So rest if you must. Push on. Always love. Always carry on. And always put God and know him because he's our example, and that's the reason we can love one another. Even though they frustrate us. Even though it's uncomfortable. If I can humble myself enough, God can love greater in me. So don't put that self out there. Love God, love others. Interesting thing I found in... Uh, Closing this thing up. There's no fear in love, but love casts out all fear. Love casts out all fear. First John 
4.18. And guys, here's one more thing. God loves us so much, he just didn't give us a big set of rules up there and tell us how to do it. He said, I give you a new command. One command, love one another. And he said, here's my example. I'm doing it to you. Does that not hit? That hits me all over. Because I know how much I'm loved by my Savior. And I know how imperfect I am. But that should always drive me to serve others. That should always drive me to do my best. My dad always said, any job worth doing is worth doing well. And boy, I hated taking out the trash and I hated doing the dishes. But I thank God today that he made me do those things because I wasn't just doing that for him. I was doing that for the Lord because he gave me two great parents. But guys, don't ever overlook your love. You're loved. If you would stand this morning. I'll be honest, this is a different type of sermon than I've ever preached before. But it comes right back at me ten times harder than it does you. Because all these fingers are pointing back at me. But I love you so much, I don't want you to stay unchanged. For us to be a church, we have to love one another. Amen? And the only way you can do that is through God's love. And it starts one way. you got to know Him as your personal Lord and Savior. If you don't know Him today, I pray that you will. And guys, don't be ashamed of Him. If you know Jesus, proclaim Him. He says, if you proclaim me before these people, I'm going to proclaim you before my Heavenly Father. And it's going to be great when he proclaims me. Because I'm going to get to spend eternity with him. Amen. I'm looking forward to that. I can go through a little pains down here. Because this is not going to last forever. It's going to happen. Let's take the hill. Let's love one another. Amen. Let's serve one another. Let's do it. Because we are the church. And if we do it, this world will see the example that it searches for. Because this world searches for love and acceptance. Amen. Tell me, Father, thank you for your scripture today. Thank you for, man, this Passover meal. How you showed these disciples, and you told these disciples to love one another. And to always put other people first by being a servant. Help us to see that if we want to be great in this life, help us to be a servant. Help us to serve one another. Tell me, Father, we don't want Dorisville to be a, a big building. We want it to be a church. We want this love to go out of here. As we have a mission team in Africa, as we have another ones all around this country, as we get ready to send out Chris and Kim, as we get ready to send out this congregation into this Harrisburg area. There's plenty of people that need to be loved by you. Heavenly Father, help us to do that, to be your body. Help us to exemplify you. And thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name I pray. 
And all God's people said,